What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Expand Podcast. Myself, Omar Alfaro, and your co-host, JP. And he's the closer. That's his... Uh, there you go. Yeah. JP the closer. He's been crushing it. He's been crushing it. But he, because why? He's had a lot, a lot of knowledge, and he has humbled himself to learn more about the business, and people would wish they'd be in his shoes to be around me for the last five years, bro. So you took advantage of it. Props Heck to yeah. You. No, and add to, I mean, to add to that, I think we could go right into it. What, how do you know who to pour into and who not to pour into? When Great question. To, yeah. When it just comes to people that, you know, I guess you could say join your team, your inner circle for mentorship, because mm-hmm. you've been in the business over 20 years now. You've been doing it a long time. I think you're well aware that not everyone is going to, I guess you could say maximize the amount of value you instill into them, right? No, never. Because a lot of the times I'm sure you feel like you want it more than they do. For sure. And I've experienced you pour into a lot of people that essentially, you know, could have utilized it in a different way. Right. What have you learned through that as far as pouring into the right people, knowing, you know, who's meant to be there and who's just there as a chapter Things of that nature. Hey, that's huge because no one's really asked me that. And we talk about it here and there about, uh, you know, be where your feet are, right? But then at the same time, meet the person halfway or meet the person a little further than that 50-yard line. I like to use that analogy all the time, JP, about there's 100 yards. There's 100, you know, football field is 100 yards. Yeah, he's talking about a football field, guys. Football field, right? And if I'm at the 50-yard line trying to help you, right, from your end zone, You need to be at the 50-yard line to meet me. And this is the thing. When you start pouring into people, you start understanding, you start realizing that a lot of the information that you give and you convey, um, people are not going to be receptive to it as much because they either think they know it or they don't need any more help because they made it. And I pour into everyone regardless. And that's probably been been my, uh, I would say, downfall because I trust a lot more people than I probably should. And I've realized that, you know what? I did leave some type of impression on someone, but the real people that stick around, like yourself included, because you've been with me since day one, before you even a real estate guy, but you met me at like the 80, and I was already on the 50, but it's like you wanted more. And more and more and more because you understood that, hey, if you could cut the curve with learning something about this industry, then why not? It's just a little bit more effort. But the thing is, you had quick success too mm-hmm. initially, but that didn't define you yeah, at all. So I guess to answer your question is that, you know, it's all a risk. You okay? never really know. You, you don't know. You really don't know, but then the person that keeps on meeting you at the 50 to 60 and like starts pressing on you for a little more pressure about like, hey man, I want to know about this, I want to know about this, and how many times we have this conversation where I push you because I know I can see more out of you, but you also do the same for me, and it's like, then I know that if I pour into you, I will pour into you some more and some more, so then you're now understanding what I've learned the last you know, 15, 18, mm-hmm. 20 years into you so the way i see it it's like almost like an intimate relationships so if everyone knew it wasn't going to work out they wouldn't get with that person anyway right you know so you the, just never know i think the only way to know is to by of course 
by doing it and finding out. But due to the fact that you've been through, not been through so many people, because that sounds weird to say, but you've you know helped a lot of people, worked along a lot, worked alongside a lot of people, collaborated alongside them. I think you're now more aware of what type of habits the type of person has mm -hmm. that truly wants it and then the person that says they want it. For sure. Actions do speak louder than your initial, you know, thought. Mm -hmm. Because you have to you have to apply the action. It's like you have a car there, you have to turn on the car. Just because the engine's running doesn't mean it's moving. Right? You still gotta put it in gear and go. Then you gotta give it gas. Right? Then you gotta change gears if you don't have an automatic. So it's like there's a lot of effort still there to keep moving. And, um, you know, it's just something that I, I still pour into everybody that I talk to. And I try to help them as much as I can because I want to be I, I want to understand that there's an impact there that I, you know, help them in some way. How do you deal with the people that just like when they do, I guess you could say, come to you for help or, you know, some type of hurdle that they need help getting past? How do you deal with the people that just sound very one-sided with their conversation because i'm a person that believes no matter who you're talking to there needs to be like a two ways like a yeah, two-way two street. street yeah you know a value um no matter how much more successful the person is than me i think you should always believe that you have something of value to give mm -hmm. before you think about taking how do you deal with people that just like when they talk to you and ask you questions they just smell like takers and breathe like takers that's huge because they, um, you know, because I've seen when it. They, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've seen it in third party where you know we were at an event, we were at our office, or we're at you know somewhere out at dinner, and this person is asking you like thirty questions as if they're interviewing you, like breaking your business down, which is great. You know, I'm sure they just want to learn, but it comes off like very malicious, one-sided, and in a sense, to where, like I mentioned, they're not bringing any value to the table. It's more of just, I need to learn everything yeah. I possibly can from this person to go do it for right. myself. They're really. unaware. Okay. Th that, that's, they're, just, they're, they're unaware. They probably, their intention's probably there, right, to provide some value as well. But they're so unaware about what they truly want, so they need to ask the question, questions or a half a page of questions because I know that I get got caught a couple times, you know, and I want to help. It's like, Hey, I was just speaking on stage or whatever. And they're asking me questions and it's like, yeah, do this, this, and this. But, um, and that's what I'm there for, right. To provide the value and hopefully they take it and they do something with it. But at the same time, there's no follow-up after that. Like, Hey, I spoke to you, Omar. This is great. You know, what else can you help me with? Like, it's just that moment they want the information and then they bounce. Which is crazy because if you really wanted to meet the person at the 50 yard line to really know more, I'm going to follow up. Like there's like myself, I've been in the game for a while and I still am asking for help. I'm paying thousands of dollars for coaching because I know I don't know it all. And it's like if I'm, if I'm doing this and somebody that's five years in the business and they're not doing it because they think they made it, well, I mean, it's going to be short-lived. Well, it's, it goes back to, yeah, you're receiving coaching and you're paying thousands of dollars for it, but I'm pretty sure, for example, you know, name one of your coaches. Pineda. Pineda. Yeah. You've Fine. provided value to Pineda. I have, For yeah. him to be able to coach and you. still in meal, yeah, yeah. You know, um, he allows you to, of course, bring all of us to the events mm -hmm. 
um, because we're on your team and you're obviously in his inner circle. But the only reason you were able to get to that point to where now he's not necessarily counting how much he pours into you and you're not counting how much you pour into him because it's it's inevitable. Like You it's know there. it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I've realized is you're probably right. I think it is just a lack of awareness that doesn't allow people to, you know, fully place themselves where they are. And they have that like scarcity mindset of, I need to just like take, take and take because mm -hmm. there's not enough out there. But it goes back to that one thing. No one has a hundred percent of the market share. No one does. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. And it's just so, so minimal percentages. And we don't even have a percent, you know, of market share in our area. It's like you want to get that market share. You want to be known. You want to. You want everyone. Everyone to know who you are. If we're buying houses, if we're listing houses, we're representing buyers, sellers. You know, with our buyer group, with expand, with yeah. you know our sixty-minute cash offer, and all the businesses that we have. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey, just provide more value, and you're gonna create your, you know, your awareness for other people to know you. One hundred percent. I want to yeah. go into a different topic because yeah, you mentioned something about buying houses and it just kind of came up to me. I feel like for the past, I, I kind of look at chapters of my life in like, you know, 2010s, 2000s. And let's look at the 2010s for, I guess you could say, the real estate market. We would say that there's a ton of, ton of appreciation between 2010 and 2020, right? And oh yeah, it was a it was just a rocket ship. Yeah, and I think a lot of people Ten years. were constantly hmm. fed acquire rentals, acquire rentals, cash flow, cash flow, right. this, that. But I kind of feel like the conversation is shifting a little bit, and I see you talk about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Is why what is that two hundred dollars a month in cash flow doing for you when you can possibly sell that property? Make anywhere between fifty to eighty thousand dollars, and go turn that eighty thousand dollars into two hundred thousand dollars. Correct. Talk about that a little bit, because I know you're kind of in transition to still keeping a lot of your rentals, For right? Sure. Yeah. But you're kind of getting rid of the ones that aren't cash flowing a substantial amount, because there's so much money just sitting there that you can go pour somewhere else, right? Correct. Yeah. Because it's it's crazy. Because this is the thing. It's like when you first start off, and I'll share with you guys the that process. It's like you're an agent, right? You represent a bunch of buyers, you're creating a lot of cash or creating a lot of uh, commissions. And then you become a listing agent, right? And then as you become a listing agent, you get a lot more commission checks as well, but it's a lot easier to get those commission checks. Then you start understanding like, hey, I can start flipping these houses, I can start buying the houses at the appointments. And doing that, now you're sitting in a different spot. Now instead of an eight, nine, ten thousand dollar commission check, you're making twenty or thirty or forty k. And this is the one thing that I realized early on, is that we, um, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money until I started flipping houses, right? And I wasn't thinking about keeping no rentals, none, right? Initially, but then as I started acquiring more capital, because I was broke. Then I started saying, all right, I'm going to buy this house, this house. And I had a, a, a specific time frame that I bought houses, okay? You know, I bought them for 50000 60000 bucks, JP. And I still own them today, which That's is crazy. insane. But that small period of time from 2009, 10, 11, and 12, I mean, we're never going to see that again. And nowadays, because back then social media was barely taking off, and now it's definitely not what it was back then, what it is now, 
Everybody is on social. Everybody wants a rental property. Everybody wants cash flow and they want to burr. They want to cash out refinance. They want to do all the DSCR loans and stuff, which is great. But I will tell you, in the very beginning of your career, don't focus on buying rentals. Focus on buying cheap, fixing it up, creating a profit, and allowing yourself this profit margin to like move the, your needle forward. So now that person has ditched the two three hundred dollars in cash flow okay they made that 60 80 grand okay now at that point because this is just a question i have i have do i go diversify that 60 80 grand between marketing just to do more deals or is it just flipping a property because me personally like i don't think i ever want to flip a house and the idea behind that is of course you know we participate in flips we do flips as teams and I would, you know, for example, you have a great operation in place. I would participate in some of those. But as far as me doing flips myself, that's just something that I don't find attractive at all. Are the profits amazing? Yes, because there's been times where, you know, you've made over six figures mm -hmm. on a flip. But can someone still expect that sixty to 80000 go spread it between marketing to go do more deals? 100%. And create two, three, four hundred k maybe? Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, because this is the thing, you know. Anybody that's in this sh in this boat of figuring out if they want to keep a six hundred dollar a month positive cash flow house or sell it. That's a good right? problem to have. It's a great problem. Six hundred bucks a month in positive cash flow or sell it and make. Let's just call it eighty k. All right, eighty thousand bucks back in your pocket. Now, if I gave you eighty thousand dollars right now. Or I said, I'm going to give you 80K right now or $600 a month for the next three years. You're going to own an asset and you're not guaranteed that 600 because that tenant needs to pay. I'm taking period. 80K now. Okay, 80K now. Why? Okay, now that your mindset's a little different, right? Most people, though, they're going to blow that 80000 on a nice car, a couple nice watches, some nice outfits, and then it's done. So I'll probably is, buy one watch. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But you're in a different mindset too, though, right? Because you can go create more income. Mm -hmm. So that $80,000, like participating in your first flip, one flip a year. That's it. Just one flip a year. Think about this. $80,000. bucks. you are going to go buy a house for three hundred dollars They're going to say it's 15% down, right? And at three hundred dollars that's going to be 60000 bucks is 20%. So what's 15% of that? It's going to be what? Uh, 50, 000, $45K. So $45,000 is your down payment. You're left with 35k left over, right? From your 80,000, that 35k now is going to use to be used to rehab the property. Now that rehab, right? That you're going to provide more value to the property. You're going to sell that house for let's call it 400,000, right? So you can get all your money back, plus you're going to make a $40,000 profit. So now you took your 80 plus your profit you literally made 50% return on your money in a matter of four months. Now you have 120,000 bucks to play with. You keep on doing that for a little while and it's just gonna compound over time. Five, six years, you're gonna have five, half a million dollars. But it was not as, it's, it's a little more riskier than just keeping a tenant in there and receiving your 600 bucks. And that's what I was going to go into next. Now, let's just paint a scenario for because not everyone that listens to this podcast and follows us on social media works in the real estate business, right? Correct. But they want to 
work make their money work in real estate yeah so now let's just paint another scenario where you sold your you know you own a w2 job you that's mm -hmm. where you earn your living from but you were smart enough to acquire some rent rentals back in the day and now you've sold one or two of them to acquire that 60 80k because you didn't care about the cash flow as a w2 employee that is fully has their time fully invested into another job right is it smarter for <clears> them to go find someone like you and be like, Hey, Omar, I have $60,000. How can we make this work? Or go try to still do that operation on their own. Cause at that point I'm just like, okay, if I have 60 K and if I have the money, why would I want to go do it all on my own just to make a little bit more when I can make, you know, probably close to the same by just being a part of someone else's operation because it's well lubricated, well engineered, what do you tell someone that sells their property, has a lot of cash, but doesn't have any time? That's crazy. Um, it's happened. And a lot of my sellers sold their property. They made a big chunk of money. The money was just going to sit in their bank account. And they have, and some of them are retired. Some of them have W-2 uh, jobs, like you just said, JP. And they want to make money on their money. They're just going to mm -hmm. stick in the bank account, make 1%, uh, if that, if they're lucky. So... They can participate in some of our programs, meaning some of our investments, where we end up giving you 8 to 12% return on that money just for the gap funding. And this is a way that... Explain what gap funding is to those that don't know it. And, and, I, and this is what it is. If I'm buying a house for 300000 bucks and it's worth about four twenty, four thirty, right? Because it's all about you know how you buy the property. And if, it's, if, if I'm buying it for three hundred k, my down payment... Let's just call it um, 10% because I have a great relationship with a, uh, a private lender or a hard money lender that I'm able to purchase this property with 10% down. That's 30000 bucks for my down payment. Okay, I have a small amount of closing costs there, but then I have to come up with the rehab funds and the rehab is going to be another thirty grand to fix up this property. So now I'm invested 60000 bucks out of my pocket. Well, the gap funding is that 60000 If I can get JP's money that sits in a bank account making 1%, right, in one year, 1% in one year, okay? If I can tell JP, as an example, he's a seller, he has some extra cash, he sold the property, whatever, however he acquired his capital, I say, JP, you can participate in this flip. You're going to be a second deed of trust holder on this property. So when I turn around and sell it, the first gets paid, you get paid plus your interest. I'm going to offer you 10% interest on your 60000 And what that means is you're going to make $6,000 for the interest on that sixty k. So $6,000 divided by 12, that's going to give you your monthly interest income that you're going to be receiving on that 60000 If the property takes me four months to flip, right, because I have a crew, I got the whole system set up, well, then you're going to make your $60,000 back plus the interest for those four months. You didn't have to worry about toilets. You didn't have to worry about AC going out. You didn't have to worry about an eviction or picking up rent, et cetera, et cetera. And you just made, you know, 10% on your money. You do that three times a year, right? Four, eight, 12. That's, that's, that's about the range. Three times a year. You just made six thousand dollars on your sixty thousand bucks, 
you made 10 times more than you would at the bank. Now, at what point does it, because of course, everything you're saying makes sense as far as you can go get greater returns by, you know, implementing certain things in place. Yeah. Now, at what point does it make sense to keep those rentals that are only cash flowing you two, three hundred bucks a month? Okay, when you get to a point where you need to write off on taxes, then you own more property. If you're not paying fifty, sixty, eighty thousand bucks, so unless you're not making a lot of money, yes, unless you're not making too much money, uh, you can always sell your property. You have to, and this is the <laughs> thing. It's like everybody wants the rental right away, real quick, but. The thing is, I didn't start depreciating, cost segregating, owning more rentals. I mean, I kept 18 properties. No, no, I'm sorry. I bought 12 properties in one year, one a month, in 2000, I want to say it was 2019 or 20. So I had that appreciation from 20 to 21 to 22. I bought 12 that I kept because I needed to offset my taxes because I was going to have more than a six-figure check that I had to pay the IRS. It's like, and if you don't find ways later on to um, minimize your tax um, liability, then you're going to be working for free. Your partner is going to be the IRS if you don't get smart about this. And last time I checked, do you want to give away 45% of your income? You make a million dollars, JP, with no write-offs, okay? W-2 employee, you're doing phenomenal, only commissions, you don't own a home, you just have a car payment. You have an apartment or you rent, okay? You can write off a small percentage of that rent, right? But check this out. You don't have no properties to offset. You know what your payment to the IRS is going to be? Four or $500,000. $400,000. Yep. I think it's like 47%. Yeah, $470,000. So your partner is the IRS. And what do they do for you? Nothing. Just go have more babies so you can write off. Exactly. More dependence, I think. <laughs> right. You're not even there yet, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> you don't need the dependent right off. That's but, nuts. Okay. But it's crazy because that's the thing. It's like we don't we don't know until we get through it. And one thing that I've kind of like get from this is that like every level of, I guess you could say, success or real estate industry or tax bracket, there's a different strategy on how you can best utilize your money. Yeah. Right? Because someone like me that makes 150 200k a year is not going to be able to best utilize their money the same way someone a mil- that makes a million dollars a year. No. And I think that's what people have a hard time accepting is like a lot of people start try to implement your strategies today and their career today not knowing your today is different than there today. Yeah, I'm on chapter 20. They're on chapter one. Yeah, so I think that it just comes down to shiny object syndrome obviously kills a lot of people and knowing what you want to do in the business. Right. What helped you figure that out? Um, well, the shiny object syndrome has been there since fucking day one. There's Everyone has something. That th- something that excites them in the business. And what excites me is being able to solve the problem. Okay. And that's like I'm a junkie about that. Like I always have been, and it's crazy. It's like I was labeled that a while ago that I was a deal junkie because I wanted to do deals. I wanted to find out a buyer to find out how I can put square peg round hole, make them you know that whole avenue of of uh, home ownership that dream right. Initially, when I was just a regular agent, 
And then I wanted to figure out more solutions about helping more sellers. And then you graduate and you're like, okay, now I want to buy more houses. Okay, now I want to I want to be able to flip more houses for more profits. Okay, now I want to be able to buy houses creatively with no money out of pocket and I still own the asset and I still have a cash flow with no money out of pocket. Like all these things, like this is what excites me is being able to take um, someone's issues and providing a better solutions. And I'm going to read something to you. And I got a text this morning and I haven't posted it at all uh, because I wasn't going to. Um, because it's just something that that's internally something that I love. And this is what um, what I received this morning. Check this out. So good morning, Omar. The house is clean and ready for your for your guys. I cannot express how thankful I am to you. Because of you, I'm able to carry on. Not many folks can say that. God is always watching and sees our deeds. I hope you make a ton of money in your lifetime because, Omar, you made a huge difference in my life. That came from a client? The key is under the mat and um, at the front door. Anything I can do for you, just ask. God bless you. That came from a seller that I purchased. We closed last week. He, I gave him some extra time to move out. I haven't even walked the house at all. And check this. I responded to him. Thank you, Ward. I appreciate the kind words, and I'm glad I was able to help you start your next chapter. I'm here if you need me for anything, any references, or just someone to talk to. People like you make my career awesome, and I'm glad I made a difference. That was my response to him this morning at 825. When I was in my sauna, I received that, and it was pretty cool. So I'm telling you. Can we cue, like, clapping in the back <laughs> on this? Yeah. It, and <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And that's... it's cool. I mean, it wasn't, it's not blasted. I didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to send him a link to, you know, the reviews and stuff, but that was a direct text message from him. I saved his house. I made payments to him. Literally, I gave him a thousand bucks, 1500. I ended up giving him $8,700 before I even bought the property because I knew that I could help him. I made his mortgage payments. He sold me his house at a decent number. He still made a lot of money on this transaction and it allowed him to buy his RV, to start his new chapter. And that's what drives me. That passion right there, that just nailed it, man. And that's, it was the best thing I heard this morning. That's so cool because like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone's client tell them, I hope you make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and I, I think it's just cool because it goes back to like that one quote, um, Money is a money is a reward of service rendered. For sure. And, you know, you've clearly made a lot of money in your career due to the fact that you've served a lot of people. That's a, that's the difference. Not just Serving. clients, not just agents, no. you know. Of course, people. family as well, friends, family, people, agents and you know, I I've never said this publicly, but like when I wanted to join a very very expensive mastermind I came to you. You did, and asked you for a check mm -hmm. that was like five figures, and you cut the check in less than like a minute. I and did. You didn't. You literally did not hesitate at all. And I, you know, never said this on camera, and I don't say this to like, you know. I hope people don't start asking Omar for money, but I, the idea is, is I think you've always saw more in people than they did in themselves. Always. 
And regardless of what you've gone through as far as the bad experiences, bad partnerships, bad deals, mm-hmm. um, you didn't let that make you sour. And I think that's very, very powerful. It so, makes you sour for a couple hours. A couple hours. But, <laughs> but what, still. I, what, I, what I mean by that is your action towards other people. Yeah. You know, and this victory, I want to touch base on that with that client. One thing that I've noticed is like what's made me feel the best in the business is the stuff that's least sexy on social media. A hundred percent. Like that text message. I haven't posted it. Exactly. You know, and even if you did post it, you'd probably get like, oh my God, Omar, that's so cool. Probably one response. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's more for like, But you get it though. It's just like the things that truly, truly matter in this world are not highlighted by social media, Mm -hmm. you know? No. That client, you changed his life. Mm-hmm. And his text message allows you to go help more people and do the same thing for them. It does. And, oh, yeah. you know, I shared it with you guys now. And, you know, obviously in our business is sales and marketing. It really is. But before sales and marketing, there's yeah, people. There's people. So you have to be empathetic to what people are going through. Because we market to people and we do sales to people, whether uh-huh. we're buying their house or, you know, we're helping them sell in another way. Yeah, so people over profits, and that's um, that's something that we work on. And obviously, that was a I didn't make up. I didn't make it up. If you guys want to see it, and we'll throw it in there, and you guys can check it out. But um, and I'll be posting it. So just we watch don't out ever for have it. anything scripted either. I think we just come on here and talk. No, ask that's questions. it. So. Ask questions. We figure out what's happening, and you know. But all in all, like to answer that question too, JP. It's like the passion. That's it right there, man. It's mm-hmm. helping people because. That right there will allow me to get fueled for the next shit, man, the next, the next month. And I'll just refer back to it. If I'm feeling down, fuck, I helped somebody. Like, we fucking helped somebody. And they actually took the time to write that. And that's freaking dope. When you're feeling down, it's always two things that you can refer back to. There's people counting on you, and someone always has it worse. Someone always has it. I mean, yeah. we're in a fucking podcast right now yeah. with cameras that are super expensive and it's like somebody has it worse. Mm-hmm. So before, like again, last time we talked about this, go be nice to people because you never know what the fuck people are going through. Yeah, 100%. That's it. No one in life became successful being an asshole. No. And if they did, they're, they died a very ugly death, I'm sure. No one was at their funeral. Something like that. But Damn, imagine that. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that was a good talk. Yeah, that was I good. I liked it. I think right, we're going to be having more guests on soon, huh? Yeah, we are. We're cool. we're going to start um actually, yeah, I'm going to be posting something later to um, you know, to ask people to come on that are, you know, in different industries and such. So, I'll be needing your guys' help to share it and to let people know that uh, we like to interview other business owners, other people in different industries uh because I want to be able to provide more. We want to be able to provide more value. And right? I want to learn from another business yeah. owner as well. And there's a reason mm-hmm. this podcast is called Expand because you're going to expand your knowledge about other businesses, about other um, opportunities out there, other avenues to create some income and wealth for you and the family. So, um, and I appreciate you guys joining in. Make sure you click that link, subscribe to our podcast. And uh, until we, uh, we do this again next week. Take care. Come here. Take care, guys. Let's go. Oh, yeah.